Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew tonight. We're discussing the Hollywood Casino 400. The results from the Hollywood Casino 400 it was Joey Logano in victory lane. He led 47 laps. A race that got a lot of criticism on the social media world. We'll discuss that. Also, silly season really picking up. Three announcements here this week, three potential announcements this week, as we've seen a report that uh, Eric Jones is going to be driving for the King Richard Petty, a confirmed story that Chase Briscoe is going to drive the number 14 car next season, and Kyle Larson will be reinstated into NASCAR effective January 1st. We'll discuss all of that, as well as the NASCAR Xfinity Series race, where Chase Briscoe, the man of the hour, got the victory. Plus, we'll take your phone calls at 917-889-8280. That is the number here to call tonight on Talking in Circles. But first, Philip, let's get to the Hollywood Casino 400 from the Kansas Speedway in Kansas City, Kansas. Joey Logano went to victory lane. He led 47 laps, held off Kevin Harvick, who had a very good day. I mean, that race started off. It looked like Harvick was really going to struggle as the run went on, as an early on in the event, as the run went on. Harvick was struggling bad in that four car, but they they worked on it. They got a lot better, and he ended up running second. And just at the end, with the way this package is, he just could not close and pass Joe Logano, and Logano was able to hold him off and really block Kevin Harvick to his second win of the year. And it puts Logano into the championship race at, at Phoenix. What are your thoughts on the end of that Hollywood Casino 400 and Joe Logano's victory, Philip? Yeah, that was definitely uh... – you know, typical Kansas, typical 550 garbage. Um, you know, you had the perfect storm there uh, on Sunday. I mean, not to play into all the rain that's happened during NASCAR races this year, but uh, you had a very cold day with a rock-hard tire, and then that that Mount O'Donnell or BAS as a as – a, Dale Jr. called it uh, famously um, on NBC, uh, where basically all Joey Logano was doing was running like it was Talladega or Daytona and running up and down. You're able to just basically, it's the same kind of thing they do in IndyCar at Indianapolis or at bigger racetracks where they're just going side to side to break the draft or basically pack air on the front nose Kevin Harvick had way a way faster car um, and ran 42 laps behind Joey Logano to within probably about eight tenths or seven tenths of a second. Then he goes and hits that bubble, can't go anywhere, and just sat there and, and finished second. And it's it's pathetic, uh, but you know that's SOD and Phelps and all those other idiots that that seem to make decisions about racing and they have no clue about racing. And uh, being for Joey Logano, it's his first win since Phoenix uh, or, or Las Vegas. I don't know which which uh, one it was, but he hadn't won since before the uh, pandemic uh, break. So it had been he had won, yeah. So Phoenix was his last win, and that was back in March. So. It's a, a perfect situation for him. He goes in and wins a race that he probably had no business winning, getting two tires, same as like uh, Austin Dillon did at Texas, winning that deal, and which means this weekend's race is going to be just as bad, if not worse, but then it's Texas. And then you have going to a racetrack where Joey Logano feels really good, and he won there the last time. So it, Paul Wolf trying to get that second win, second championship, so is Joey Logano. I don't think people were thinking that he was a title contender per se, but now he is, and he has a definite chance to go and pull that off um, here in three weeks' time once he'll be one of the four. And that's all that really matters. doesn't matter how you do it as long as you get there, and uh, he's going to be there. I'll tell you, you bring up a good point about Texas this weekend. You know, Let's say somebody else other than the top three. And when we talk about the top three in the Cup Series this year, I think all of us can agree Harvick, Hamlin, and Brad Keselowski because Brad's been so good on the racetracks that um, feature 
the uh, 750 package. It seems like the 550 package, for whatever reason, uh, the two-car doesn't run nearly as good as they do. But those, to me, have been the top three. And if somebody from outside the top three wins this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, like you said, take two tires, get in the clean air, and make it extremely difficult to pass, that one of the top three will not make the playoff, not make the championship race at Phoenix, which is hard to believe. So that's what this win and in system does, and that's what this win here for Joe Logano at Kansas has done. It has not only locked Logano in, but it's given it's put somebody somebody like Harvick or even Hamlin or Brad Keselowski in a we got to win situation because if one of these guys don't win these next three, it's, it could be very very possible that they don't make the, the final race uh, at Phoenix. So he wanted to say Homestead, by the way. I got to stop myself and say Phoenix. But this final race at Phoenix, um, it, it's, that's what this win did. And so that was a huge win for Joey Logano, no doubt about it, and it really changes some things up. Uh, you go a little deeper into the field, uh, Bowman finished third, Brad Keselowski fourth, and then Kyle Busch coming home in fifth. Anybody stand out to you there? I know Bowman had a really good day. That, that's a third-place run. That's probably his best run in a while. Uh, anybody stand out to you there, third through fifth, Philip? Uh, you got to say Kyle Busch because it's the first time in, what is it, six years or something like that that he hasn't been in contention to win a championship. And he comes out um, on Sunday and he runs fifth. I mean, granted, he only led once, four laps. He hasn't led a whole lot of laps this year. He only got stage points in one stage. But you know, to come from middle of the pack with a rules package like this and not be able, where it's passing is at a premium and whatever strategy or whatever he did to get up there, you have to say that it's an R&D, like we were saying, I think, a few weeks ago that these next few four weeks are R&D session for Kyle Busch and um, Adam Stevens to go into next year. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, who knows what's going to happen with all the things that are going on in silly season and changes that are coming along and what Chris Bell's situation is going to look like with the 20 car, if they're just going to bring everybody over from the 95, what, what they may do there, the Xfinity program re- retracting. But I think Kyle Busch, getting that fifth-place finish, getting a decent run, which he hasn't had many uh, this year. Um, I think that's a momentum builder for him and uh, the 18 team going into – when you consider that, you know, Hamlin had an off – or didn't get the finish that he probably wanted or thought he was going to get, Martin Truex was buried all day because, of course, he failed inspection since Gibbs cars always seem to fail inspection. Um, you know, that's that's a credit to them. He was the lead Toyota in a day where the Toyotas didn't have their best stuff. No doubt. And, you know, when you look at it, uh, I agree with you. I think Bush was the best Toyota there. There's no question. Hamlin probably was. We'll get to him a little bit better, but get to him a little bit later, excuse me. But Hamlin had some issues, hit the wall, and it really put him in a way back. But you bring up a good point about Truex. They've got to stop failing inspection on these tracks, especially when it, track position is such a key. And really when you get to the top ten, it's hard to gain track position because everybody's sort of on the same strategy at that point, especially late in the race. So you really have to kind of keep – the best way to, to you know, get track position, I always say, is to keep it because when you're up there, it's a lot easier to keep it than it, it is to gain it. So – uh, that's what that 19 team has to do. But to, to, to me, the most interesting guy about this, and this is why it's the most interesting, was the sixth-place run of Chase Elliott. And when you go through the race, uh, NASCAR made an interesting admission. And let me say this first before we, we probably destroy them here. Uh, I will yeah. say at least they're admitting their faults, which I know after Talladega, I was very critical of them sort of coming out and being, you know, cocky, saying we, we, we can mm-hmm. rule this, and it's easy to make these rule changes. Well, they came out after Kansas and said, hey, we, can't, we screwed up. We should have pulled Chase Elliott in. We should have. Uh, we didn't realize the extent of his radio issues until he got out of the race car. Now, I do think, to their defense, 
it is very difficult to police that. I do think, you know, if there's communication going on and you just scan every radio, it's it's got to be a difficult thing to do. Uh, and it wasn't like his radio wasn't working at all. His crew chief and, and spotter were still talking and stuff like that. But so that's got to be hard to police. But at the end of the day, we've seen NASCAR do this in the past where they've pulled people down because of no radio. Do you think it's a big deal? Now, we've seen you know, people run without radios before in NASCAR back in the day, Philip. But this is a different era now. What were your thoughts on the Chase Elliott situation? Yeah, that's – I talked about it on uh, on the GSP yesterday, how – how you're it it it's the it goes with the things that I've always said for many years about NASCAR, the two hashtags I have, selective enforcement and consistently inconsistent. If Brad Keselowski doesn't have a radio, they're penalizing him too in with no problem. If it's some sort of a car or driver that is not a favored person, would have been would have been out the door. In terms of Chase Elliott running around all day Without a radio communication, they don't do anything. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, golly gee, we should have called a penalty on that. I mean, come on. I mean, they insult. It's a weekly thing with NASCAR having to, insisting on insulting the intelligent, insulting people with, with their rules or their calls or, you know, and, and this is yet another example of it. Scott Miller's just an empty suit. Um you know, they put him in the firing line because SOD can't deal with it and Steve Phelps can't actually answer anything straight. It's just that they didn't want to affect his race. It's like, well, no bleep Sherlock. He's running without a radio. I get back in the day you could, and they did, and IROC, they didn't have radios, but that's IROC. You're you're running four races. It's a different thing. You're You're directly affecting the other drivers because this guy doesn't have a spotter or didn't have I mean, come on, it's a joke. And, and it's typical NASCAR that they would do that. But, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, they, they, it's, it's selective enforcement and, uh, that's what they like to do. And Chase, uh, paid, it paid off for him. And, uh, he was able to get a sixth place finish when he probably should have, finished further back because he had to go to, he would have had to go to the pits and actually fix the car, fix the radio the way that you're supposed to do most of the time. Yeah, there's no question. And and I would believe that Philip had there not been that incident at Daytona, I guess it was two or three years ago at the Daytona 500 where him, if you remember Chase Elliott, Eric Amarola, and I forget who the third driver was started three wide on the restart. And then NASCAR came out on Monday and said, yeah, we reviewed it, and that was a clean restart. And, you know, I always said, how can we start three wide and make sure that's a clean restart? That, to me, was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. And then for them to come out, you know, again, I would have had respect for it like I do this time, where they sat there and said, we screwed up, we missed it. We understand we made a mistake, but we missed it. But they said, you know, that was a clean restart, and they're starting three wide. And everybody in the grandstand saw it and were like, why the heck is Chase Elliott allowed to race? He should have been, been brought down on pit road. So it makes, you know, it's, it's NASCAR's history of the selective enforcement, like you said, that really puts the question into a lot of people's brains. And I think, you know, the example I just gave you to me is a prime example. And I hope it was just, you know, naiveness on their part. But who knows? You know, they've put themselves into that situation to where you can question it, in my opinion. Uh, I think the biggest news story of the day was Denny Hamlin in 15th, Philip. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It just seems like there's times where Hamlin gets into a situation where he's got a really fast race car, and he's capitalized on a, a lot this year, but it brings you back to Indianapolis when he blew a tire, a, a couple of other racetracks where he's got a really fast race car, and for whatever reason, late in the going, something happens to him, and he hits the wall. And when you're in a situation like this, when you're in a championship format that rewards one great race at the end of the year, you can't have those mistakes. There's no question Kevin Harvick didn't have a great car for the first third of that race on Sunday at Kansas, but his team worked on it. 
he didn't have the issue that Denny Hamlin had. And it just seems like every now and then Denny Hamlin has these issues pop up when he's got a lot of speed in the race car that hurt him. And this is a guy who a lot of people feel like have the, has the talent to win a championship, has a team to win a championship, but this stuff has to stop happening with this 11 team if they want to win this championship come, come Phoenix. Because we've seen them throw this championship away a couple of times at Phoenix. But to me, these next two weeks for Denny Hamlin are huge. He's got to have good weekends and strong weekends to where he can't have any issues. Because if he does, it's going to put that thought in the back of that team's brain, oh, here we go again. What are your thoughts on Denny Hamlin's day on Sunday? Yeah, it's you, he had won there earlier in the summer, did similar to what Logano did to hold off Brad and Harvick and whoever. And then in this spot, he, lead, uh, he goes and leads 58 laps, so the second most laps for any driver uh, on the day. He wins a stage but then makes a mistake. And Hamlin's been known to do this. Uh, he has this history. You mentioned it. You know, Phoenix in 2010 stands out as much as any anything Phoenix and Homestead in 2010 when he basically gave away the championship to Jimmy Johnson to get uh, so to give Jimmy five in a row uh, when Jimmy Johnson used to win races back then. Um, you know, that's the most uh, – uh, that one stands out. Of course, last year, the inexplicable decision to put, like, a, a, piece of, a piece of tape on the grill that was the size of that BAS, um, which overheated the car uh, when he had a better car than Kyle Busch and basically handed that one away. Here, the reality is – you're going Homestead is definitely not a track that Kevin Harvick was good at, but it was definitely more suited to the Toyotas. Phoenix is a track which is more balanced, and you have 750 package. And I think it goes. I mean, Gibbs cars, of course, run very well there. Kyle Busch is really good there. Denny, but so is Kevin Harvick. You're not gonna. And in a 300, in just a three, one of the shortest races of the year, are the or the shortest some of the shortest races of the year. Two of them are at Phoenix. It's a 312 lap race. So if you put yourself in a bad position there and you're, you're in a bad and you lose track position, you make a mistake, you do something wrong. It could be a real problem here. And I agree with you, Clayton, in that he needs to run well this weekend at Texas. Uh, you know, it's a track where he has run well at before, of course. I mean, he's run well at most of your dang tracks for all the race wins he has, but uh, he needs to show up, run well, solid this week, then go and do what he usually does at Martinsville and give himself uh, a positioning in that final four. Unless, of course, craziness happens, somebody outside like Kurt Busch goes and wins uh, Texas or something like that, and then it gets really insane going to Martinsville next week. But um, it's it's – Typical with Denny Hamlin over his career for all the winning he's done and the last couple of years, a lot of winning that he's been doing compared to previous years in his career. But he's never been known as being a great closer. And when you're going against Kevin Harvick, likely going against Kevin Harvick for this championship, that's not going to work. Kevin's been chasing that second championship for I don't know how many years now. I think this is a year where where if Harvick has that opportunity, he's going to be able to close it because that's just who he is. And Danny Hamlin can't be giving away points at this point in, in the season. No, and you bring up a very, very solid point about Harvick. And I'll say this on the record, too. If he doesn't do it again, do it this year, Phillip, that's a very disappointing deal. I mean, when you think about the drivers who have won multiple championships – in the last 15 years, aside from uh, Jimmy Johnson, it's two, really. Uh, Tony Stewart and Kyle Busch. Harvick wants to be in that conversation. And he's been so good since he's come to um, Stuart Haas. He's just been unbelievable since he's come to Stuart Haas. And if he sits there after the 2020 season, we're sitting here going, he's been at Stuart Haas for six, seven years. 
got all these wins, but he's only got one championship. There's going to feel so much unfulfillment there that it's really going to make you sit there and go, Harvick's got to get one here because let's be honest, he's been around since 2001. We all remember how he got into the Cup Series. And he's only got, I know he signed an extension that put him through 2022 or 2023, but he's only got three or four years left in him. And, you know, how long can you keep going at the age that he's at? How long can he keep being as good as he is uh, with the car changing and everything like that? So he's got to get this championship this year, in my opinion. And we'll probably dive into that a little bit more. He'll probably either win uh, this weekend or he'll get in through his points. But when we get to that championship race, that's something I'm going to bring up and, and really harp on. To me, Harvick has to win this championship this year because with the new car coming, we're supposed to level the playing field a little bit. It would be a big disaster if he can't do it this year, in my opinion. 917-889-8280. couple of silly season news here, Philip, that came in. We'll start with the first thing that was announced. We'll go in chronological order here. Uh, the first thing that was announced this week was the reinstatement of Kyle Larson. Now, a lot of people, and I want to get this out there, a lot of people have put out fake news and mistruths about Kyle, saying Kyle Larson has been reinstated in the NASCAR. That is not true. NASCAR has announced that he will be reinstated effective January 1st. So currently he is still suspended from NASCAR. He's still suspended from NASCAR until January 1st. So let's make that clear. Um, but they also came out and said, well, we did this because if anybody wants to line anything up with Larson next year, we want the sponsors and everybody to know that he's going to be eligible on the full season next year. So that was kind of interesting. And there's a lot of things out there. And when you look at the, the open rides right now, the teams that have, a lot, have open rides that are very, very competitive, there's really one left. I mean, Eric Jones, if you haven't heard it, or it's been reported that he's going to go to the 43. I have sources telling me that's going to be announced tomorrow that he's going to go to the 43. But, you know, that's, that's a middle-of-the-tier ride. That's not a big-time ride. And when you sit there and go, well, how come Eric Jones isn't going to the other big-time ride that's open, which is right now what we call the 88? Uh, which is probably going to change his number to five or something like that, it makes you wonder and go, who's going to take that ride? Kyle Larson is lining up to get into that ride. Now, I guess my question to you is, Philip, is this the right move by NASCAR in your eyes? Is this something that they said, you know what, Larson's done everything he's needed to do. I believe in second chances. He deserves to be out here racing. Or do you think what he did, and if some people feel this way, what he did was something he should be punished a little bit more for? What are your thoughts on the Larson being reinstated effective January 1st? I'm not shocked that they they are going to reinstate Larson. I think this campaign they've been putting out these last week or so going on CBS with James Brown and doing that interview, um, he is basically kind of taking a – uh, back end kind of deal, you know, he's kind of been hidden in a lot of ways uh, here in the last few in the last few months uh, with how he's handled things. And do do I think that he's he's paid his his dues or crime or like does does the punishment fit the crime? I mean, we can get into semantics. The reality is. Rick Hendrick has wanted Kyle Larson for a while. Um, he was wanted by Tony Stewart as well. Uh, but I don't, based on what has come out, which we'll talk about in a moment, um, it didn't, it wasn't going to be to drive the, the 14 car, at least the 14 cup car. Um, so I figure Kyle Larson wanted to come back to NASCAR for some reason. Um, the the and Hendrick has a ride and he wants and he loves to sell his trinkets and um I got into that earlier this morning with another podcaster person and they're like what's your obsession with trinkets I'm like well Hendrick Motorsports all they care about is selling merch now because they're not Hendrick Motorsports they're not the elite team that they used to be uh, granted, William Clyde Elliott II wins most popular driver every year, and he wins three, four races, and he's a, he's a nice guy. He has no personality. Nice guy, whatever. He's not – do you really think he's going to be a champion? Not really. He's not Jimmy Johnson. They haven't – Jimmy Johnson's taken a dive, and then you're going to go and replace him 
with Alex Bowman. Nice guy, personality, you know, whatever. What is the direction, Hendrick Motorsports? Are you trying to win races or are you trying to sell trinkets? Bringing Kyle Larson back goes and meets a certain segment of the fan base, and they can go and be all happy because they got their guy back. Most pe- I don't understand where all these fans came, uh, all these people who love Kyle Larson came from, because he didn't have this like deep fan base uh, before he went hard R. Um, it's almost like uh, it's like a counterculture thing to have Kyle Larson come back. The guy's a great. He is an absolute elite, like one one of a kind talent on dirt. And he could make money, and he's been making plenty of money on dirt all season since he he hard art himself. Why not just stay there? I don't I don't get the the correlation that he drives. He wins forty one races on dirt, and that means he should be in a cup car again. He was an okay cup driver, to be completely honest. He's an okay cup driver. Um, he wasn't an elite cup talent. He was driving for, a, I guess, a second-level team in Ganassi. But let's be honest, he's never been this, like, I mean, people talk about him as the next big thing and all these things, whatever. He's never been outstanding. There's, He's had, like, one season where he was really, really good. I think it was 2017. And other than that, I mean, he's had six wins in his cup career. You got guys, I mean, there are guys that never do anything and keep on getting rides, but he has six cup wins. I mean, other than trinket sales, what are we really doing here? I mean, I'm sorry to Spencer, and I know he's a fan of Larson and all this stuff, but I mean, it's fine. He's going to be in the 88 car, 5 car, 25, whatever they're going to number it. Um, And they'll sell a lot of merch. And that's really why he's coming back, Um, that and a couple other things. But uh, they'll be able to sell a lot of merch. But that's just my my feeling on Larson coming back because he's a dirt racer. He's not a cup racer. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, and I'll tell you why. Uh, And I understand where you're coming from. There's certainly – when we looked at Ganassi and what Larson's done, it's certainly been a overhype, I guess is the best word, where you sit there and you go, kid gets talked about like crazy. He's won six cup races. That's it. But I'll tell you what's really helped him, in my opinion, this year is just the unbelievable disappointment that Matt Kenseth has been in that 42 car this year. And I think it makes people go, wow. Larson was running very competitive in that car. I mean, the last uh, five, last four seasons, he's finished in the top ten in points. Maybe, maybe Kyle Larson is a really good stock car driver. Maybe it was Chip Ganassi Racing that's been holding Kyle Larson back from not winning all those races. I mean, when we compare him to a guy like Bubba Wallace, who was a very, very good truck series driver, there's no question, won a lot of truck races, didn't win an Xfinity ride, wasn't in the great Xfinity ride, no question, but never won an Xfinity series race. And has had a good year this year at Richard Petty Motorsports. Um, Larson's got 12 Xfinity Series wins to his credit. So, you know, and you even compare him to a, another free agent who was out there like Eric Jones, who a lot of people say is a very, very talented race car driver, and I agree with that. Uh, he's got better stats than him as well. So as far as free agents here in 2021 were concerned, if Larson is available, he's going to get a good ride. Not many guys in the last – Six seven years have won six races at Chip Ganassi, won six races, let alone at Chip Ganassi Racing. So, Larson is a guy to me. Um, I think they did this because Hendrick, for for a long time now, let's be honest. I mean, this was a team where when they had Mark Martin, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, and Dale Earnhardt Jr., they had three of of the top drivers in the sport. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. was a very popular driver and brought in a lot of money. Uh, they were a team that everybody went to. Remember Casey Kane? They went out and got and put him. They got they got him a year early. Put him in Red Bull Racing for a year, and then put him in the five car. Uh, that's just how good and how dominant Hendrick Motorsports was. As of late, it just seems like they hadn't been able. They don't really have that impact driver. Jimmy Johnson's career has taken a nosedive here lately. William Byron hasn't won as as quickly as I think people would have liked. Alex Bowman's been good, hasn't been great. 
And Chase Elliott's done very, very well, but still not the championship contender they're looking for. So it was either do I take a risk and hire a guy like Eric Jones, which would be a little bit of a risk, where, sure, I know he's got talent, but I know Wayne Byron's got talent. I know Alex Bowman's got talent. Or do I go with a more sure guy who's been to victory lane six times in the Cup Series and has run a, 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 my engines before? He's proven he can win on a big stage. He's got 12 Xfinity Series wins as well. Um, I think that's part of the reason why they went there. They know the talent is there. There's no question. I just think that's why they went there. And as far as the reinstatement is concerned, listen, I believe in second chances. I believe if, if you know, you can prove that you've, um, you know, gone through some courses to where you've learned a lot better, I don't need the interview with James Brown. I know a lot of people might, might have needed that. I didn't really need it. It came off to me as just kind of like going through the motions, to be completely honest. But I do believe he's gone out and, and bettered himself. I, I said it when he was suspended and I truly believe it. I don't think Kyle Larson is racist. I think Kyle Larson was very, very stupid. I don't think he understood what the word meant to him. And now I think he's got a very, very uh, much, a much more, much, a lot more knowledge on what that word means and how it affects people. So, yeah, I think he's learned from it. Um, and I, and I, that's why I think Hendrick Motorsports went and hired him. So it's going to be interesting. Well, we don't know that they're going to hire him, but that's why he is the leading candidate, I think. Uh, 88 slash 5 slash 25, whatever you want to put it in for the Hendrick Motorsports car. But there is news that was announced here, Philip, that is official, and that is the Chase Briscoe news, something I'm sure you're very, very excited about. I know I'm excited about. What, what made me excited today was was the announcement that HighPoint.com, which is a local company up by my neck of the woods, mm-hmm. is going to sponsor Briscoe for the majority of the schedule next year. Uh, this kid has had a heck of a season in the Xfinity Series. He's got a ton of talent. He deserved it, and uh, congratulations to him, and it's going to be awesome to see him in the 14 car next season. What do you think the expectations are for him? We've seen rookie drivers, young drivers here come from the Xfinity Series and have a lot of success. Christopher Bell's one. Cole Custer's another one. Um, you know, you also got William Byron. A lot of these drivers here recently come, come from the Xfinity Series, get to the Cup Series, don't win a lot. Do you think – Briscoe's in that category? Do you think he's it's going to take him a year or two to get his feet under him? Or do you think he's going to win out of the box? What are your thoughts on Briscoe's expectations for 2021? I, I mean, the expectations, I think, at a minimum would be to mirror what Cole Custer did this year, uh, which is to win Rookie of the Year. Win a race, win Rookie of the Year, basically is what I think what he would want to do. Uh, Do I believe he can win next year? Yes, I do. Uh, Between the amount of road courses that are on the schedule, uh, some that he has experience at, very one of the only guys that has experience at some of these road courses that they're going to. Uh, You add Homestead being the second race of the year. I was thinking about that earlier, that the second race of the season is Homestead next year, and that's probably Chase's best racetrack on the schedule. Um, it's an opportunity. They won't have practice, so that'll be a problem. Uh, they'll get the algorithm going for that. So whatever happens in Daytona 500 will uh, play a role. I think a solid season is to, to, to go and get one win. If he gets one win in the regular season, that means he's in the playoff. What he does after that is, is gravy. Uh, the days of, Tony Stewart or Jimmy Johnson winning three races and winning uh, or finishing in the top five in points. I mean, Denny Hamlin also did that. I don't see that as ha- as as likely. Um, it's possible. But you think about Chase, he's talked about it today in different interviews. I mean, he literally has only been on pavement as a race car driver since 2016, you know, uh, he's he has definitely got a lot of talent and potential. He has proven it, and now he gets to drive for one of his heroes in an iconic number. And hopefully, um, they've been looking to. It's been a long time. It's been since 2012 that that 14 car has been a factor on a week-to-week basis on the circuit. The four cars taken the lead role at Stuart Haas Racing. Tony has put somebody in the car that 
is a lot like him in terms of his driving and in terms of his family and background and everything, maybe we that's what they needed. They needed to have that refresher and have somebody that is raw in, in certain ways but definitely has proven uh, on pavement, whether it was in an ARCA car for Cunningham, whether it's in a truck for Brad or in this Xfinity program here, that he can he can drive and he can do good work. Uh, it'll be something to see uh, what he's able to do. Um, definitely excited. Uh, I haven't been this excited about Cup in a, in a long time. Even though we do the show, and I think the reason why I I, I still watch Cup was because of the show and my other pod and whatever writing. But now I have a reason to watch for sure. Um, Chase is a breath of fresh air uh, in this sport. And with all the bad that's going on in our society and what has gone on even in his life with his wife and him this year, um, it's a it's just a, a very positive thing to to see uh, a driver get get there on merit in, in, in a day and age where uh, it's more about ride buying and, and no talent and, and people who basically bleep step themselves. Uh, Chase is a, is a cool, he's a good, good kid. And uh, sure. we'll see what happens next year uh, in the 14 car. Yeah. And let me say this, and I know people will probably point to this. This is why I'm bringing it up when, in a couple of years or when this is made public here or somebody wants to, for whatever reason, uh, knock Chase Briscoe for whatever reason. I saw this today, and I just want to put this out there that Tony Stewart made some interesting comments about how it was it was really high point that pushed their decision to put Chase in the 14 car. So people are going to say, well, if he didn't have a sponsorship, that wouldn't have happened. And that is true, but let's be honest. The reason why High Point is backing him is because of the year he's had in Xfinity this year. Nine wins. I mean, we haven't seen somebody win nine races in this division, not named Kyle Busch, in a long, long time. So, um, listen, the kid has done an absolutely phenomenal job. The only thing I get a little bit concerned, I don't think there's any way they could have avoided this because of how things played out with the pandemic. I would have liked to see them announce this a little bit earlier in this season. Um, if, if I was a Stuart Haas fan or a Chase Briscoe fan because you sit there and go, will this cloudy the water at all for the championship run in the Xfinity series? Now he's done such a good job. I think he's determined to win this championship that it's not too big of a concern, but there's always that thought in the back of the mind going, well, now he knows where he's going. Now he's got everything settled. So will that really win that championship? We'll see. You know, and I hope he can go out there and do that because he certainly deserves it. He's had, a, he's had far and away the best year in this Xfinity Series. And we really saw him turn about halfway through last year. I remember when he was driving the 98 uh, early in, in last year, early in 2019, and I went, oof. You know, I like Chase Briscoe a lot. He had a lot of talent, but he's been okay. He hasn't been great. And he went out there in the middle of last year and really turned it on. And this year it's been a, a – what can you say? It's been a tremendous season. And uh, he deserves a lot of credit for it, for sure. 917-889-8280. The other silly season news I want to get to before we review the Xfinity and Truck Series events uh, from Kansas Speedway, and then we talk about what we'll see at Texas, which is probably pretty much what we saw at Kansas. But the other silly season news is Eric Jones. Eric Jones, a free agent. We know he's not going to be back at the 20 car next season. Uh, News came out a little bit last week or two weeks ago where he basically said that had it not been for if Levine Family Racing wasn't shutting down at the end of the year, that was an option for him to go because Christopher Bell would have been to the 20. I found that very interesting. But once Levine sort of shut down and that deal was over, uh, Eric Jones had to really, really look for a ride. And we talked about earlier about how Larson is sort of the leading candidate to take over the 88 car next year. And Jones has sort of been out of the loop on things. I thought for sure there might be an opening at 37. Doesn't sound like he's going there. Instead, it sounds like he's going to drive the number 43 Chevrolet for Richard Petty Motorsports next season. Now, what I find interesting, and I don't mean this to be an insult to Bubba Wallace, but, you know, when Bubba left that car, 
when it was announced Bubba was leaving the 43 car, we all kind of sat there and went, oof. That's kind of a big blow for Richard Petty Motorsports because Bubba had a pretty good year this year. They seem to be clicking on cylinders with new, with his new crew chief, and he brings a lot of sponsorship there. You're like, eh, not, a, not the best thing in the world for Richard Petty Motorsports. But Eric Jones is a damn good race car driver, and for him to be in that 43 car, that is a, a big win for Richard Petty Motorsports. I'm curious to see what they're going to do financially next year, sponsorship-wise next year. Uh, and who the crew chief, who's going to lead that operation next year for Eric Jones. And, and I'll leave my expectations for that when when that's all announced. But what were your thoughts on Eric Jones? And, and it should be announced tomorrow, but the reports that Eric Jones is going to be driving his 43 car next season. I, I mean, I'm glad that he's going to have an opportunity to stick in the Cup Series. Uh, you know, Tony's remarks about Toyota uh, – basically directly align with this particular announcement because Eric Jones is the next big thing. Kyle Busch brought him in. He got beat by Eric Jones at the Snowball Derby, and he put him in a truck, and Toyota went and had him win truck championship. Then he won He won a bunch of races at Xfinity, gets two years or whatever. They ran Kenseth out the door because he cost too much um, and put Eric Jones in the car, and I think, what is it, three years he's been in the Cup Series, and he's been in the fourth car at at, at uh, Gibbs, uh, you know, and he's won two Cup races. I mean, we're talking about the – about. I mean, I what you talk with Larson with how many Cup wins he has. You consider where he's at relative to his teammates at that team, and he's won two Cup races, and he's won a special event. So he's won three times in a Cup car. And there aren't very many guys that are out there that are young doing a lot of winning right now. Um, it's it's an opportunity. I don't know if Baxter is going to be there, so I would think that they're going to bring in another crew chief, which, I mean, they've been going through crew chiefs for years. Um, ever since Trent Owens left to go to the 37 car, they've been going through crew chiefs, I think, every year. So... Um, curious as you, they will put there. Eric Jones will will get the most out of those cars. And and to be completely honest, and I'm saying this as as somebody who's above a supporter, I think we'll be able. There might be some better runs at some of these tracks that uh, haven't really exactly suited uh, the the 43 team in in recent years. I think RCR is going to have to put in. They're going to put in more of a focus and more more financials in between the 43 car, the, the 99 with, uh, with the Justin Marks and, and Daniel Suarez, which is basically taking over the 13 uh, situation. So you're bringing in two young guys, both dumped off by, by Gibbs, uh, who have shown they have talent. I mean, of course, Eric Jones, I think, is much more talented than Suarez. And, but they, you bring those two guys in along with Tyler Reddick and then Dylan, and you actually have a pretty solid core there uh, where RCR, Chevrolet has some drivers. Um, and for Eric Jones, I mean, it's kind of a – it could be a temporary spot. It could be a long-term deal because if you're t- you think about what Merstein said about wanting Bubba to own a piece of the team – Eric Jones, if he's doing work in that car, it could be a long-term thing. If he's able to do something, I mean, the the last time that the 43 car was truly relevant on a week-to-week basis was when Bobby Hamilton was in the car, and that was back in the mid-'90s. Ever since then, they have not been theoretically relevant um, on a week-to-week basis, Um and then, and it's gotten to the point where now they only compete, uh, you know, super speedway, short tracks, and occasionally on a cookie cutter uh, because of equipment, money, timing, everything. But I think Eric Jones being still being able to drive in the Cup Series is a good thing. Uh, being in the 43 car, we'll see who they put there with him. They've made strides this year with Baxter, with Bubba, but I think Baxter's probably going with Bubba. 
Um, and we'll we'll see what happens in 2021 with them. But, you know, they'll probably run around top 20, top 25, where they've been most of the year this year. I think that'll be the case. There'll be some extra events where I think they would be a little better than what even Bob has been able to do. Yeah, there's no doubt he's got a better resume so far in the Cup Series than Bubba, but, you know, Bubba hasn't had the opportunities Jones has had, but still. Um, it was just, you know, you when when that deal was announced with Bubba Wallace, we all kind of figured, okay, who's going to go to the 43? We're like, eh, they're going to get somebody, but probably not as good as Bubba Wallace. Well, they got a guy who's pretty capable. And I, I like Eric Jones a lot. I, I don't mean to disparage Richard Petty Motorsports in any way, but it's a mid-level ride at best, you know, um, a solo, solo car operation that doesn't, have a ton of funding there, and I just hope that they provide uh, a good, stable ride for Eric Jones because I think 2021 there's going to be a lot of things going on with rides opening up. A couple of, of veteran drivers could could be seeing the door, um, and with the tw- new car coming, which should level the playing field a little bit, I think some of these drivers um, are going to be – a little bit more willing to take a, a mid-level ride like we seen with bubble, like we saw with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. last year. We're seeing with Eric Jones this year because they can be patient and know that this car is coming to help level the playing field a little bit if it does what it's intended to do, and uh, they'll be a little bit more competitive because of that. So we'll see. It, it, it certainly he'll certainly be a, a hot name in the free agent market next season. You know, I, I look at that six car next year. I don't mean to put Ryan Newman out the door already, but I just have a feeling Roush is probably going to go yeah. in a different direction after 2021. Uh, uh, there's another. Uh, it's probably other rides that I'm um, not aware of. I know Brad's got a got a one year contract at Team Penske, so we'll see where all that ends up. But uh, you know, if Jones can keep his head above water here, uh, I think somebody he'll still be on somebody's radar next year in the free agent market. Let's review the race from Kansas Speedway, uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series event, Kansas Lottery 300. Speaking of Chase Briscoe, he absolutely dominated the event, led 159 of the race's 200 laps. Daniel Hemrick finished second. Another solid playoff run for Ryan Sieg in third. Justin Haley fourth. Austin Hill was fifth. Best career run and a shout-out to Josh Williams in sixth. Brett Moffitt finished seventh. Then Michael Annette, Brandon Jones, and Justin Allgaier was rounding out the top ten. Allgaier had one of the more interesting nights with getting in an accident with Anthony Alfredo. Um, other drivers involved in that wreck, Riley Herbst, of course, Brandon Brown. Um, what were your thoughts on the race, the Xfinity Series race from Kansas Speedway and uh, Chase Briscoe's victory? Yeah, nine wins in 30 races, and the only other person that's done that is Kyle Busch. Uh, that's uh, pretty sporty. And, uh, you know, I, the the reality is it all turned around early in the race on the restart. Uh, Gregson and Sindrick uh, get into a wreck, and they affect some other cars. But really, those are the two cars that were uh, affected the most. And uh, the, that was the big, that was a big thing. They had an initial spin there. I think it was with Matt Mills. Then that wreck, which took those two guys out, it also involved Chastain, Alfredo, uh, Brandon Brown, and uh, Tammy Joe, um, and the the what is it, the one car, which doesn't matter, and then Brett Moffitt. So there was a lot of people that were involved in that deal, and Chase basically had to slam on the brakes. So if it goes a certain way or one of the cars goes a certain way, he gets involved in that wreck, and this whole entire point situation flips on its lid. Instead, he's able to save his car, keep it clean, go and sweep the stages, win the race with virtually no uh, uh, n- no competition. I, the only person that was really up there, I'll, I'll give credit, or credits to Brandon Jones. Uh, he's not all that great. He's going to be in Xfinity for like the 18th year uh, next year, but he's good at Kansas. And he had a car that if Chase wasn't there, he probably would have won because his car was fast. 
uh, gotten that involved in that Anthony Alfredo deal where Allgaier ran the the apron with 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 Brandon Brown and they ran out of room and he went and caused a big wreck and uh, cost him an opportunity. But in in turn, Brandon Brandon Jones right now is nine points up on the cut. So going to Texas, which is an opportunity for him to possibly make the final four. He won a Phoenix. They kept on talking about that. I don't know how many times they made that. They mentioned that during the the broadcast. Uh, so it, Chase did what he had to do, locked himself in. He's trying to work on Phoenix, trying to get with Kevin Harvick to figure out what he has to do to go and, and do well there um, here in three weeks' time. But it's an opportunity for him to go and – uh, secure some more more points, uh, more wins. While you know Sindrick is on on, he's up against it, and then and Haley they're basically right, they're two points separating those two guys, and then after that, Gregson needs to win. Sieg has had a great year, um, but he will need kind of a, a wild card. He'll need. Austin do an Austin Dillon, um, and and if he does that, then he'll be in the final four, but he won't win the championship. And then Ross Chastain needs to finally win a race. He hasn't won one all year, uh, moving up to the 42 car in the Cup Series next year, but he needs to win a race uh, for sure uh, if he really wants to make it into this final four. For sure, and one of the guys you mentioned on that uh, that's close to the cut line right now that I'm a little concerned about, and he hasn't won a race in over two months, and he's just been off here of late, is Austin Sindrick. He's two points ahead of, of, of fourth right now, ahead of Justin Haley, who's fifth, and 12 points ahead of Ross Chastain, who's sixth. But, you know, you look at a 28th place run last week, sure, it was probably out of his control, but he didn't really show up for the road course race at Charlotte. Now, I know there was rain and all that kind of stuff, but you know, wasn't great at Vegas. Talladega was out of his control. Uh, decent runs, but it just seems like the speed and the dominance that Austin Sindrick possessed once at one time in this season, um, where we sat there and he won five races and six tries. We were like, whoa, this 22 team, here we go. Uh, that seems to have faded here of late, are you concerned at all for that 22 team as far as winning a championship is concerned? Um, to me, he was Chase Briscoe's biggest competitor in this Xfinity Series championship, and right now it seems like Austin Sindrick and that 22 team are not clicking in all cylinders. Yeah, they've kind of fallen back to where they were pre, you know, June, where they were winning – it seemed like Austin Sindra couldn't lose. There was a, I mean, it, it's a, it, it's a thing where you know everyone who started to anoint brought out the anointing oil for Austin Sindrick and saying he's this amazing talent. I mean, it's like you would assume that he could go and win in the 22 car when you look at their history since Penske made that team. And it started with Brad, and then you had Ryan Blaney. You've had A.J. Allmendinger drive that car and win. You've had Sam Ornish, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Sindrick wins, goes and puts together that heater in the summer, which allowed him to bypass uh, Chase in the point standings because Chase started to kind of fall off and won the regular season. But now that wreck on Saturday, and, I mean, he definitely benefited from the Allgaier deal because if that Allgaier deal doesn't happen, he would have made – he ended up finishing 28th. That's two spots right there is Alfredo and Herbs. So that's two more points, and that's the difference right now. If he hadn't uh, been able to keep the car rolling, um, he would have have lost that, and he'd be tied in points – with two races to go before the cutoff. Uh, Martinsville, I don't think, is a uh, is a track that is ideally suited to Cindric. I do believe Texas, he did win. Of course, it was a disqualification for um, Kyle Busch that gave him that win. 
but the it, it hasn't been as good of a, 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 a run here in the last few weeks. Um, I mean, yeah, he hasn't won a race since Daytona Road Course in August. Uh, Dover wasn't his best. You know, you think about Daytona, it's Daytona. It's a wild card in Talladega. Those are, you know, kind of throwaways. You're not going to really be as as uh, likely to be in there. But can he go and and get into this Final Four? I believe he will. I, I just don't see how after the run he had, earlier in the summer where he he couldn't lose from basically it was July yeah July and August he only lost once in in six races and it would be crazy if he doesn't make the final four after that run um and after winning the regular season championship too on that but we we will find out I think Texas um, sat on sun uh, Saturday afternoon will let us know what what's really going to happen in terms of uh, Austin Sindrick and his prospects for an Xfinity title here in 2020. I completely agree. You know, and uh, I think Martinsville is going to be interesting to see as well. Although that's a little bit different than what we're going to do at Phoenix. Um, just because it's a little bit more leaning on, on drivers and stuff like that. But there's no doubt Cedric's hasn't Cedric has not hit on all cylinders here of late. And he's another guy like Hamlin, in my opinion, where I want to see this team rattle off two really solid runs before the play. If they get to the championship uh, round, you know, run off two solid runs, and then I can sit there and say I feel a little bit better about them because they haven't done that, it seems like, in a really long time. So, um, you know, there's only three races to go. You know, you want to be clicking on the cylinders here and really be be having momentum on your side and really be running strong during the this part of the season. And Cindric uh, has certainly not done that. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can get some momentum here the next two races. Clean Harbors 200 NASCAR Ginner Outdoor and RV Truck Series event uh, from Kansas Speedway. Finally, Brett Moffitt goes to victory lane. He's done had a great year this year. It seems like he finished second about ten times before he got the victory lane. Uh, Sheldon Creed, his teammate, was in second. Austin Hill, another solid run for him in third. Enfinger, fourth. And uh, Chandler Smith was fifth. Christian Eckes, sixth. Give a call to Timothy Peters. Hasn't been in a truck in over uh, a couple of years here. Goes out, takes um, Stuart Friesen's truck, which has – not fin- finish in the top ten a lot, and goes out there and finishes in the seventh spot. A nice job by him, he, proving he can still run in this series when given the opportunity. Matt Crafton was eighth, Derek Krause ninth, Trevor Bain finished tenth. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Truck Series event from Kansas Speedway on Saturday, Philip? Yeah, you had the GMS uh, battle. Where um, where porn stash Brett Moffitt finally comes through and gets uh, that long-awaited victory, and he hadn't won in a while, and he picked the right time to do it. Uh, he wasn't the best truck, the best GMS truck. I think the two and the twenty-one were better, but when it came when 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 it counted, he was able to make a restart. And he held off uh, Zane Smith. Zane Smith then, of course, tried to make that move. And in trying to make a move, uh, you know, Moffitt kind of juked. And he, he Zane Smith overcorrected and, uh, you know, spun out. Which cost him an opportunity there to definitely lock in to the the Phoenix finale, but you also look at it for him. It's kind of in the same deal as Sindrick. They've had a career-type year. Even if they don't come through and make the Final Four, uh, they have to – it'll be disappointing, but at least they know they have another chance going into next year. Uh, Moffitt, we don't know what he's going to be doing next year. There's all kinds of rumors all over the place going on with him. Uh, but he's trying to win another Truck Series championship here. 
and uh, he has an op- definite opportunity to do so because he's been uber consistent, and that's really what you need to do at, at this point of the year uh, to give yourself an opportunity. Sheldon Creed, uh, a lot like, uh, I forget which race they're talking about, a couple of races ago where he won both stages, but then in the end wasn't able to uh, close the deal, uh, fell off in the longer third stage. But uh, Texas, I figure, will be an opportunity, and I figure it'll be more of a, a, a GMS benefit uh, there along with Austin Hill. It is Vegas, yeah. It was Vegas where he won the first two stages, but then Austin Hill went past him. Um, so we will see. I think the 16 and the 2 will be up there uh, battling, trying to get themselves locked in to the uh, final four. Uh, and that will be on Sunday afternoon as a precursor to the cup race. So that's a weird scheduling. But, hey, whatever. I guess limiting the amount of days that they're there. So... We will see what happens with that. Yeah, we will. And, and you know, as good as the years that, that we've talked about having for GMS Racing, uh, you know, the other team we always thrown in there has been Thor Sport. And that Thor Sport's really had a solid year. Well, right now, three Thor Sport trucks sit outside the top four going into uh, Texas. Obviously, there's two races, and a lot can be can happen from them. Um, you know, when you look at what Thor Sports done, they're struggling a little bit this year. So, do you think that Endfinger Crafting or Rhodes can pull off a victory here and uh, get themselves into the Final Four at Phoenix? I I, I figure the like more likely scenario for them to win would be Martinsville uh, because Crafton is Crafton. He's been around forever. He's been able to figure out Martinsville. It's more about a driver's racetrack, and that kind of suits him. Again, Finger, it's kind of the same deal. Um, I don't see Rhodes. I think Rhodes is basically done. It's whatever with him. I, I do believe if there is going to be a Thor Sport truck, it would be one of those two. I don't know which one. Um, Crafton is actually, in a lot of ways, he's run better this year uh, than he ran last year, and he won the championship. Uh, but he may not even get a chance to run for the championship at Phoenix uh, because they haven't been consistent enough, and that's the difference there. I mean, Enfinger has been the kind of guy he's put himself in a position when, when he's been given the opportunity to go and, and win races. He's won three races this year. Uh, they're, they're basically a feast or famine kind of uh, team. So you have, you have Jeff Hensley uh, there. Maybe they go and take some strategy to go crazy, do some stuff. They can go and try and win that deal. It's possible. Uh, but if GMS has definitely solidified themselves as a elite truck organization, and uh, it's going to be hard to beat them. Uh, and the the only real answer I think that's going to come from outside of a GMS truck is going to be the Hattori team with with Austin Hill. Yeah, I agree with you there. There's no doubt about that. GMS has just been on another level. Now I can ask you picks, and I know, um, you know, we kind of do that in every show. But let's try, kind of change up the end here. We're getting late, so I just kind of want to ask you, with what we saw at Kansas Speedway in all three series, do you think we're going to see a difference at all here coming to Texas Motor Speedway for these weekends, for this weekend's triple header event? Um, you know, it's mile and a half tracks. Everybody says each mile and a half is different. Texas is a since the reconfiguration has been god awful, but do you think? For that since there's a lot of, of at stake this this week with how deep we are in the season, winner goes to the championship race, that we'll see a little bit of a different event here at Texas Motor Speedway. What are your thoughts? No. Um, Texas Motor Speedway is one of the worst racetracks that exists in, in the whole wide world. Um, they should fill it up with water, and they should hold a Bassmaster Classic there. Um 
that would probably be better than than what they actually put on the racetrack. Um, they could run unlimited hydroplanes there, and it'd be more entertaining if they filled it with water at least. But the cup race, I think it'll be a lot like what happened in the summer where where somebody takes two tires, gets the lead, and holds everybody off. I think that's what's going to end up happening. There aren't going to be a whole lot of tires being taken because the track is smooth. Uh, truck series, it was dominated by Kyle Busch. He held off Christian Eckes. So it'll be interesting to see now that, of course, Kyle Busch isn't there, what's going to happen. Kyle Busch dominated the Xfinity race. Um, now that he's not there, uh, I think it, it opens it up for the not only the Gibbs guys who have had an off year, but Austin Sindrick, who needs to go and kind of re-solidify uh, his spot here uh, in this Final Four. He goes out there and actually wins on merit. Uh, we'll 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 see on that, but I mean it's Texas Motor Speedway. They're competing against. Uh, I mean the one good thing they have going for them is that Dallas is, or no Dallas isn't playing on Thursday. They they just got destroyed on Monday Night Football. So uh, they're playing on uh, Sunday afternoon, and then there's other things going on. So they're probably and there isn't gonna be any fan or there'll be limited fans there, but it is what it is. Worst or one of the worst racetracks they go to in the world. <laughs> no doubt, I, I agree with you on Texas. There, it's it lacks a lot to be desired. Let's just hope that with the intensity from this weekend, we see some pretty good racing here in Trucks Xfinity. I doubt we'll see that in Cup with the package, but we'll see. So, always great job as always. I appreciate you uh, helping me out again this week and. We'll see you next time on Talking in Circles. We'll break down the weekend from Texas Motor Speedway, talk about other silly season news that's come out, and move on and look ahead to the following week races at Martinsville, which should be great. And then we have the championship week after that at Phoenix. So season is winding down here in all three series. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time.